So this morning, um, you can you can. I'm going to start straight off with what my um, title for the preachers this morning. It's not often that I work with slides, but um, I feel felt like this this has been a word that's been been brewing and it's been working on it for a bit. But this morning, my preach title is Holy Holy, or Holy Holy. Okay, you get what I'm saying? Holy, 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 holy. Okay, um, and a little bit of a play on words, but we're going to dig into it because I think that these, this is actually, that this is the season that we are in um, where God is looking for us to give ourselves and to present ourselves as holy, holy. Amen. Okay, so we're going to go into it. And before I kind of get into all the meat of it, I think it's important just to do a little bit of a recap for, for what we have done over this last while. Um, it's so easy for us to come to church and to kind of go about our days and thinking that we, we, we deal with one thing and then we go on to the next and we go on to the next and in that way kind of like compartmentalize what we're hearing and what God is doing, it's like to compartmentalize it. Okay, we've now spoken about worship, we've spoken about this, we've spoken about this, and so every, everything is like a thing on its own. But actually, um, what we are dealing with, with is one thing. And this morning, I want to just give us a little bit of a recap of what we've done to show you and kind of connect some dots of just what we've been saying, but also where we are moving. Amen. And so we've been doing this series called This is Church, where it's really the values of who we are as Josh Jane. But what we've seen through the series is that these values that we carry and that we hold on to and that we aspire to truly live out, because they are values in us, it doesn't necessarily mean that we are nailing them perfect. If there was anyone perfect here this morning, you would be like Enoch and be no more. Okay, and so that would still leave us with a whole bunch of imperfect people that are on a journey. Okay, and so these values that we are speaking about and have been speaking about is values that we strive towards, it's values that we want to grow in, want to mature in, and that's what we've been seeing. Maturity has been this key word for us where we can say, like, actually, God is wanting us to mature, God is wanting us to grow. A baby that stays a baby is not a good thing. These problems. Amen? Do you agree with me? Yes. Okay. See, and what we, what we look at here at church is, is with the, this is church. It's like church is not man's idea. Church has always been God's idea. It's a God institution. Like God's plan was for church to be there. Church is not a social club. It is not a, a culture or a, a, a nation. No, a church is the people of God. It's a completely different thing altogether. There's nothing on the earth that is like the church. But God has a specific way that He wants His church to look like. And it's not man's words or man's thinking or even man's ideas of what church, this building together of saints and, and people from different cultures, from different backgrounds all over the world, how they all fit together. There's no man that can think up how this can truly work together. Most people will tell you it's impossible. 
But because it's something that God has planned, God makes it work. He gives us His Holy Spirit, and His Holy Spirit is working in us, and God makes it work. And so when we talk about the church, we need to realize that this is God's. It's not us. It's not our good ideas. It's God's plan. And His plan for His church is that His church would be the example of His gospel. That the church would be that place of where the world that is lost and that does not know Him can have a little bit of like a, 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 a peeking hole into what the gospel looks like. And for us as church, being church is meant to be that example and that reflection of the gospel of Jesus. It's meant to be that example of people that have no longer held on to their own lives. No, they've given their lives up. They've laid it at the feet of Jesus, and they go like, what I live for is Him and Him alone. That's what the church is meant to be. And so in this series of This Is Church, we've seen that the church is not this, it's not a building Yes, we've got paint and we've got walls and we've got floors and coffee, but church is not the building. Church is each and every one of us sitting here. And each and every one of us make up the church. We influence the church. We make a difference in the church. We build the church. We help grow the church. Each and every one that is here has an effect on the church. So Andrew said this one statement in one of the things of saying, when you come and you go like, hey, the church is not loving, or the church doesn't care. Actually, we can't say that. Because if we say the church doesn't care, the church isn't loving, we're actually excluding ourselves from the church. No, we are the church. Me and you have been saved. For some of us here, there might be someone here this morning that has not yet given their life to Jesus. And my prayer this morning is that by the end of this morning, that you will see that there's no other way to live but for Him. There's no other way. But for those who have received Him, that we would see that there truly is no other way but to live for Him. It doesn't change. I'm sorry. See, the church can't look perfect. Just like me and you can't look perfect. The church can't look perfect. It's in a process of being made holy, being made beautiful. God has sent us and given us the space and the power and all the ability to be here and build His church, prepare His bride for the day that He's coming back. And up until that time, we will always be working on ourselves, not on the building, not on communicating things the right way and having all the systems in place, like some of those things have certain values or certain value to our togetherness. 
But it is not the reason why we are together. We are together here because of Jesus and Him alone. And each and every one of us sitting here this morning have to be in that process of where we are coming to Him and we're saying like, Lord, look at me. Lord, change me because I want to look like you. I want to be with you. I want my life to be you and you alone. God wants us to mature. Ephesians 4, verse 13, 14 to 15 speaks about that no longer we would be children tossed. It's not that one. No longer we'd be children that's tossed to and fro by different kinds of doctrines and schemes and thoughts of man. Now he wants us to mature in what his gospel is all about, in how he comes and he saves, how his blood washes us clean, how his blood comes and justifies us. We've ha- heard Harry speak about how Jesus has been that redemption for us, the thing where we, it's been taken away, our ability to be with God and be part of his kingdom has been taken away in the time of, of um, Adam and Eve, and Jesus had to be that, that sufficient sufficient submission, that sufficient payment to get us back, to redeem us back to where we are meant to be, which is His, with Him, in Him, around Him, Him in us. It's where we are His, again, His property. And so we've spoken about redemption. We've spoken about um, accountability. Like Roland came and sp- spoke to us, spoke to us, spoke to us. Um, last week about accountability. And there was such a clear sense in the room that Jesus is coming back. And if we want to be ready for Him, the place where we get ourselves ready and make sure that we are ready is in accountability. If we want to mature in the things of God, and in our, and I want to be careful to say in the things of God, because we kind of make the things of God this external thing, things that we do. It's preaching, it's praying for people, it's seeing healing. No, 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 no. What I'm meaning with being mature in the things of God, it's being mature in our being, in how we stand in God, and how God is actually standing in us. And how the things happening around us does not toss us and throw us, but we're able to stand amidst wars, amidst preachers falling in immorality, amidst whatever is happening that might be challenging to us, that God inside of us is causing us to stand firm and to hold the line of that it's Him and Him only that deserves the glory. It's Him and Him only that deserves my attention. It's Him and Him only that is the absolute pursuit of my heart. To stand firm in knowing that what He has said and promised will come to be because He is the one that promised it. That's what it means to mature in the things of God. It's not in our ability to sing songs or play songs or preach or... I think the reason why I'm so emotional is... If you go a little bit just looking on social media and looking on the internet, man, there's such an onslaught on the people of God. Such an onslaught on God. And I realize as much as I'm standing here in front of you this morning, man, there's 
a great amount of fear in my heart for what I'm saying here to you. Because I see people that's preaching, that's led big ministries, that have said these things that I'm saying to you, and today they're standing and they're disqualified. I don't even know if they are with God. And so for us, we can be so quick to think we know and we understand who God is and how He thinks about things. But unless we're paying attention to ourselves, that's the first and only thing that we are meant to do, is to pay attention to ourselves. Bring ourselves before the living God. Allow Him to speak into us. Allow Him to work into us. And He works into us by His Word. I don't have a Bible with me. It's electronic. By His Word, He speaks into us by people around us, by friends, by family. He speaks into us by the apostolic. It's one of the other things that we've dealt with in the This Is Church. He gave the fivefold the apostolic, to come and build the church as master builders, to build the church, to raise the church, to mature the church for the work of ministry that God has called us to. And God has given leaders, elders, deacons, He's given them to the church so that they, so that they might speak into us that me and you will mature in Him. And we can't for one moment think that we know who God is. There's no gurus here. And if that's the thing that's in your heart, that you want to become a guru for God, I want to say to you, that's the enemy talking to you. Because unless you're humble and a life laid down to Him and His Spirit, it's going to lead you down the wrong way. It makes you think that what you're doing is noble, but it's not. God doesn't need our strength. He doesn't need our, I've got a word, but I'm not going to say because I think it might be a wrong word. He doesn't need our beautiful way to communicate or our muscles or our strength or our money. He doesn't need those things. God can use a donkey to speak his word. The question for us is, are we willing to acknowledge our weakness so that God can be proven to be strong? Or do we want to look strong and thinking that that's going to make people believe God is strong? So, I want to kick off here this morning. (laughs) The thing is, with all these things that we've spoken about, the message never changes. The message is this. We have all been far away from God through choices made, through sin that's had its abound in us. But God wants us, me and you, with Him fully and wholly surrendered. The place where we find purpose and life in its fullest is only with Him. And because of the sin that has separated us from God, we need to realize that God is holy. And therefore, we need to bring ourselves to Him to pay the debt for those sins. And He did it through Jesus. 
that gave himself as a perfect sacrifice. Having not sinned or done any wrong, he paid with his blood. He made the way clear. He redeemed us back to him. And he brought us back in a way where we have been removed from connection with our Father. And today we're standing and we're able to come to our Father boldly. If we are willing to lay down the sin that keeps us separated from him. But he's doing this in us so that each and every one of us can be brought back to him. But then as we're being brought back to him, his gospel that is at work in us causes us to be like him. And in being like him, it causes us to that place of where we speak to those who are still lost. Because he came to seek and save the lost. And so as we come to him and we feel him working inside of us, the natural thing that happens in us is that desire to see the lost come in gets birthed in us. And we do the same thing because our Father is doing it. Our Father is working it. So, let's look at this this morning. So, holy, holy. <laughs> okay. You can do the second slide for me there, please. Okay, now it's a bit small, sorry. Um, I'll read it for us, for those that can't read, um, all the way here. Um, John 17, verse 14 to 18 says this. I've given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not, not of the world. Just as I am not of the world. And this is Jesus speaking, and he's speaking to the Father. He says, I do not pray that you should keep them out of the world. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine Jesus going like, Jesus, like Father, I've come to the world. I've saved these saints, these people. I've brought them back to you. So now I'll just take them out of the world so that they can be with you. And Jesus goes, no, no, Father. And in him saying, no, Father, I'm not praying that you would take them out. There's something in me that actually goes, the Father's heart is for me and you to be with him. And so it's almost like him and Jesus are having this little bit of like a debate or a tussle and going like the Father actually going, but I want them with me. And Jesus going, no, 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 they need to be in the world. There's something for them to do. There's something for them to accomplish. I do not pray that you should keep them out of, should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And as you send me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. So Jesus is saying here, Father, as you have sent me, I'm sending them. And what you actually have given me to do, I give to them to do. And so there's a couple of you, you can just keep it up there. That word sanctify, what that means is it's the process of making something holy, of cleaning something. We're sanctifying. If you take the plate after you've eaten and you put it in the water, you are sanctifying the plate, and you're cleaning it. 
And so there's a sanctification that is happening in me and in you. And that process, the process of holy making, of cleaning, okay, just in layman's terms, that's the most simplest explanation of it. It's the process of cleaning. That sanctification that's happening is something that is happening in us until the day that we die. God is coming and He's cleaning in us, cleaning in us. So God's heart for us is that we will be wholly given over to Him. Holy, fully given over to Him. See, the fight for me and you here today is not actually the evil one. The fight here for me and you is how do we surrender our lives fully to God so that the evil one has no space in our lives? Do you hear that? We can't fight the devil. God fights the devil. No, we fight ourselves, actually. We lay ourselves down, and we give ourselves unto God. Or, sometimes we make ourselves open for the enemy to come in and steal, kill, and destroy. And this is where Jesus' prayer comes in, and he says, Father, help them to stand against the evil one. You can slide two there for me. Yes. So, holy, what does it mean? Holy is an adverb that means entirely. It means completely. It means totally or to the full extent. God is asking you and me to come to Him holy, fully, in full extent. There's this skit, and we've done it here at the church once, once or twice, called Devil at the Door. And the story kind of like goes like this. Is you've got, I'm going to just call him Quissy for today. Sorry if there's any Quissies here. Um, Quissy has got a house, and in his house he's got like a, 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 a living room, he's got a kitchen, and he's got a bedroom. And this is Quissy's house, and this house actually represents his life. And so Quissy is cleaning his, his house and feeling very proud of himself, and here comes a knock on the door. Um, and as he opens up the door, the devil, this is a very comic type uh, skit, so it's for kids, okay, so just imagine it. But as the devil comes knocking, kind of Quissy gets a fright, and he's like, wow, what are you doing here? And the devil barges in and pushes Quissy aside, and he starts just like going downtown onto his onto his his uh, uh, um, lounge area, breaking everything. Quissy is a vase, and Quissy's like, "Oh, my vase!" And the kitchen and the bedroom. And the devil kind of looks at the room and at the devastation of the room, and he's like, oh, "Tomorrow I'll be back again." And he goes out, and Quissy is like, "Oh my word." And again, knock at the door. 
with angels music playing, spotlight, Jesus. Ah. And Jesus goes, hello, Kwesi, and Kwesi is distraught. He's like, you wouldn't believe. The devil was just here, and he ruined my house. And Jesus says, hey, Kwesi, but let me come in. Let me help you clean. And Kwesi kind of like goes like, ah. Man, okay, Jesus, I'm, I'm going to let you come in. And, and, but, but as you come in, you can only really just stay here in the lounge. Just, just help me clean there. I, I don't want to burden you with the rest of my house. But Kwesi is actually reluctant to trust Jesus. And so Jesus comes and cleans the lounge. And Kwesi or Kwebis is in the, in, the, <laughs> in the kitchen. And then he cleans. And man, the house is good. And Jesus sitting in the lounge sipping some tea. And the next moment... And Quizzy, oh, who's this? Opens up the door. Again, the devil. Ha, 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 Quizzy, I'm here. And Quizzy's like, no, please don't. And the devil comes to the lounge. And as he sees the lounge, he realizes, whoa, 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 Jesus is here. Uh, okay, I'll go to the next room. He goes to the kitchen. And he goes to the room, and he devastates the place. And as the skit goes on, every time around, Quissy is sitting with this dilemma of, should I trust Jesus with my house or parts of my house? Until the time or the moment that Quissy actually surrenders himself wholly to Jesus and says, Jesus, you can have all control of my house. And then the devil comes and the devil knocks on the door. And the moment the devil knocks on the door, it's not Quissy opening up the door anymore. No, no, no. It's Jesus. And the devil realizes, oh, 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 I don't have space here. And he runs away. And Quissy didn't have to clean his house again until the day that he died. I'm just joking. That was a joke. Okay. See, God calls us to actually give our lives to him wholly, fully, to full extent. But our nature is to actually hold things. We go, oh God, I need this part. I, I need to actually look, God, can I trust you with these things? Or oh God, are you going to ask too much of me here to give up? What is it going to make me look like? What is it going to be like? If you can have me the next slide. Um, it's a scripture. Here we go. Sorry again for the small font. Luke eleven thirty-three to 36 is this. No one lights a lamp and then hides it or puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. Your eye is like a lamp. Kevin actually spoke about that this morning. In the stewardship teaching, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body, for your body. But when your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. Just stop there quickly. When it's healthy, your body is filled with light. When it's unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. There we are at right now. 
What are you exposing yourself to? Is it the goodness of God? Is it the promises of God? Is it the desire that God places in our hearts? Is it His kingdom that we go, this is what I seek, like David said, one thing I ask, and this I desire, this I seek, to know you, to know your presence. I'm paraphrasing a couple of scriptures altogether. Like, what is it that you see? What are you opening your eyes up to? And it is both the natural, but also the spiritual. What are we giving ourselves to in this? But, but when it is healthy, unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. Make sure the light you think you have, make sure the light you think you have is not darkness. It's not actually darkness. If you're filled with light, with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant as though a floodlight were filling you with light. The encouragement for us is this, is to come and approach God holy to full extent, not holding back, but saying to the Lord, Lord, I don't want a dark corner in my life. Lord, I want to be filled fully like a floodlight. Have you seen a floodlight? Like even just, I mean, these lights that, that, that's here is like on like a very low brightness. Maybe just, Marianne, these two sliders, channel 10 and 12, just push them all the way up. Okay? Now, this is in some ways floodlight. If I'm going to look at this, even not looking at that light, if I'm going to look at it just looking to you, I'm struggling to see you. But if I'm going to look at that, after a few moments, all I see is just white. Okay, you can turn them down, please. Okay, whoo, still seeing stars. But that's the, that's the concept here. Is that if we look and open our eyes up to light, the light that is Jesus, what happens is it actually blinds us to everything else. Is it better to be blind in this life and able to see in the next? I think so. As difficult as it might be to be blind in this life, guys, our God is real. And he's calling you and me to come to him fully, in full extent, in full measure, and saying, give yourself to me. One Thessalonians 4, it's the next slide there. There we go. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord, Jesus, to live in a way that pleases God, as we ought to have taught you. You live this way already, and we encourage you to do so even more. And this is exactly the same for us. There's a measure of this that we are doing. 
But the moment we think that that measure is, I have now done enough, we're actually stopping ourselves from allowing more of God to come into us, for allowing more of God to be worked out in us. No, this, as you are doing it, now allow for it even more. It's a growing, it's a sanctification process. It's a holy making. It's a process, maturity. For you remember what we taught you to be, you taught to you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. God's will for you, God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor. Not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. Never harm or cheat a fellow believer in this matter by violating his wife. For the Lord avenges all such sins. As we solemnly warned you before. And then here verse 7 says that. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but rejecting God who gives His Holy Spirit to you. Very strong language. It's very strong language. And it's something that I know in my own life that I'm saying like, Lord, help me. Keep me pure. God, help me to fight this battle. As a man, we've got battles. As ladies, single ladies, you've got battles. And the thing why he's mentioning sexual sin is because that's almost the most basic, primal need that we have. But I want to say to you this morning, it's not exclusive. See, if we come in to give in to the primal needs that this body has, and we make that exercise, what we are doing, we're not exercising control. We're exercising whatever the body gives us. Either way, we're exercising something. And the one that is exercised will be the one that is always stronger. Many of you know, over this last now been just over three weeks, four weeks of me not eating meat, not eating bread, not eating sugar. And the reason for that, again, is not because I am sick or because I want to be in better health. It's going to be helpful to my health. But something that I felt the Lord speak to me is in this is exercise control. And I wasn't like I was out of control. But I realized I wasn't exercising control. I thought I made it. I thought I have self-control. And God is actually saying to me, Rian, if you're not exercising self-control, you don't have self-control. That scripture that it speaks of, the light that you think is light in you, make sure. Otherwise, you will find it to be darkness. So if I'm not exercising holy living, bringing myself under God, allowing God to work in me, 
I might one day wake up and realize, actually, there is no light in me. Let's put that thing on for me for holy word. Holy is this. The word means, the Hebrew word is Kodesh. It means apartness, setting apart, sacredness, valuable, separateness. We are of this world. We're not in this world. And there's a call in God for me and for you to make sure that we separate ourselves, that we make ourselves sacred from the things of the world. See, but God called us to be in this world. That means even in a group of people that are fully worldly, in our place of our hearts, there should be something of a separateness and a sacredness that we hold on to. The understanding that we're not of this world, we're only in this world. And that the work of God, the gospel that is at work in my life and wants to work through my life is to go out into the world and tell them of this great love that again comes, it redeems, it reconciles, it brings back to the way it's originally planned for. There is not one person in this world that if you truly could have like a bubble over their heads where you see what they felt and see what they thought, I would guarantee you there's not one person that would ultimately think and not worry about their life and go, is there something after this life? And am I living the right kind of life? Even those that are saying there's no life after this, you've got 80 years and you need to make it count, YOLO. Is it YOLO, FOMO, YOLO? <laughs> Too many O's. There's not one person that can sit with that and then ultimately go, you know what, I'm okay. I'm not worried. Because God made us in a certain way. He made me and He made you to know Him, to love Him, to be connected to Him. That is like, that's how He made us. And not one of us can ever be satisfied without being connected to Him. And whatever satisfaction we think we might feel outside of Him is actually all just false. It's a mirage. It's only with Him, only being connected to Him, that we can find true life. When Adam and Eve in the, in the beginning, when they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, did the thing that God told them not to do, the first thing that they did was not run to God and say, oh God, I'm sorry. No, what did they do? They hid themselves. Dark corners. Immediately. 
they were not exposed to God anymore. See, they were naked. They didn't know that they were naked. But that moment that they stood there, all of a sudden, they realized we are naked. We need to now cover ourselves, and we need to hide from God. It says that they heard God walking in the cool of the day, and their first response was not running to God and exposing themselves. No, they were so aware of everything that was wrong, and they hid themselves. And so for me and for you sitting here this morning, we are not any different than Adam and Eve. I know my life, when I have a thought or do something that's just not representing God well, my first thing, my first response is not always to go, okay, Lord, I'm sorry, help me. No, it's oftentimes I want to hide. It's oftentimes the shame that comes with it. It's oftentimes the thing that I just want to go, no, no, don't, don't see. But the encouragement of God is actually that we come to Him. In our fullness, that we are holy coming to Him. And then as we come holy to Him, He comes and He makes us holy. Because we have not separated ourselves from Him, but separated ourselves to Him. And I believe for us here this morning... That that is what God's heart is for us. But I'm not saying something that is new to us. We all know this. So then it leaves the question here this morning. How do we then eliminate? Just like Quissy had to give over to Jesus parts of his house, so that when the devil came knocking, that there wasn't space anymore. So what we need to ask ourselves, first of all, is there actually space in my life for the enemy to come and knock on my door and come and bring chaos? Because if I'm wholly given, there wouldn't be space. Amen? You agree with me? So one of the first places I believe that we need to come to, and, it, and it's not, I'm saying we, and it is for us as a people. But us as a people does not make sense if it's not also me and you as individuals. Because it's as each individual grows and does its part, so the whole body is maturing. The whole body is coming into more. Do you agree with me? That's scripture. Amen? So for us, for us, how we eliminate individually the work of enemy, the enemy in our lives, is that thing that Kevin mentioned, we read it, our eyes. It's our eyes. It's what we see. It's what we look at. It's what we kind of start, Scripture speaks, we spoke about it a few weeks ago, that the root of all sin, there lies three things, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Amen? And we looked at what those things look like and how they influence us and our wants, our desires, our needs. And so the place where we eliminate space for the enemy is our eyes. 
what you behold is what you will become. If I behold God and His goodness, His greatness, His majesty, His holiness, His righteousness, His word, His truth, if that is what I behold and expose myself to as much as I can, as frequently as I can, choosing that, making a holy, a holy taking that and saying, Lord, this is holy. My eyes, it's holy. I want to reserve it. I want to set it apart for you and you alone. As I do that, what I then behold is what I then become. As I'm filling my eyes with light, that floodlight is I'm filling my eyes with light. And the more I fill my eyes with God and with that floodlight that is His love and His gospel, His redemption, His greatness, His truth, His promises, the more I do that, the more I eliminate space in my life for the enemy to come and tell me otherwise. Do you agree with me? So it's in a place of worship. I want to say to you now, we think of worship as songs and guitars. That's just what we call it. But ultimately, worship is a lifestyle. The thing that you live for is the thing that you worship. If you worship, if you live for making money, unfortunately, that's something that you're worshiping. If you live for making sure that your children will always be okay, it's what you worship. If you live for standing in the mirror, making sure that everything looks good and in place, it's what you worship. And I know we laugh at it, but there's value to that. There's truth to that in our lives. We are sometimes more concerned at what we think people think about us than ever finding out of what people really think about us. And so we will change and fit into a box just to make sure that what we think people are seeing is the right thing. And that's exactly what that scripture said. The light that you think you have, make sure that it's not darkness. See, worship is that place of where we come to Him and we say, Lord, like David says, oh, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. He's actually forcing himself in that and saying, like, I know in my heart, in my mind, I know that God is real, that God is true, but in my flesh, in my body, there's nothing right now that wants to acknowledge Him. There's nothing right now that wants to put Him in the highest place in my life. And so what I would say to myself is, oh, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Forget not His benefits. Forget not His goodness. Forget not His promises. No, oh, my soul, you will serve the Lord. And I will beat it into submission until the day that I can say, oh, now my flesh is given over. And it might be that at the end of my days it will still not do it, but I will still be beating it into submission. I didn't think that I have a problem with eating. I realize I do. 
I'm just being honest. So many times in the day, it's 11 o'clock, and I feel like, yeah, sitting, having a coffee with someone. Oh, a croissant would be so nice right now. <laughs> and then there's this moment, there's this tussle in my heart where I realize I want to kind of satisfy because it's not like I'm on a diet. It's not like I'm on a fast. It's something I felt the Lord say to me, work on this. So now I go like, okay, but I know the Lord will understand. And I find myself, all of a sudden, my mind is in a battle over something stupid like a croissant. And sometimes it's not even a croissant. Sometimes it's at my house, these girls that eat the whole time. And it's sometimes it's like I'm picking up a plate and I'm like, there's like a small little piece of stale bread because it's been lying there for the last hour. And man... <laughs> I'm sure a crumb wouldn't make a difference. You know what it's exposing in me? It's actually how weak my flesh is. But I didn't think that that's how weak it was. Three weeks ago, I could say to you, and it's true, I could have something, I could not have something. I could make that choice. It's like, hey, I've got self-control. I can, or I don't have to. But now that I'm all of a sudden seeing I, I don't want to have it. <whistles> and we look at our Christian life and we look at God the same way. Instead of seeing the beauty that He is and the health that He wants to bring us into, we look at what God is saying, don't do that. That ruins you. Don't go there. Don't touch that. And those things become everything to us. David said this, one thing I desire and that I will seek. Our eyes become that place where we fight space for God versus allowing the enemy to come in. Because all that the enemy does and all that he is allowed to do is to actually come into the presence and say, God, Kevin today did that thing. Your word says, so I need to come to him. I need to go, I've got legal right in his life. Kevin didn't do anything. I'm just using him as an example. He can only come in that way. And so either we're giving space to him legally or we're not. But the way we give sp not space to him is by being wholly surrendered, fully surrendered to God alone. And living a holy, set-apart, sacred life for God and for him alone. Another place where we eliminate is we expose ourselves. That scripture spoke about a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, or a lamp on a stand. You don't put it, un you don't cover it up. No, you put it in a place where the whole room can shine and be lit up. And that even is a picture for us in our own lives. It's like taking our lives and saying, God. 
I want to expose, I want to open up my life. I want to open it up to my brothers and sisters around me in Christ. Roland spoke about blind spots. These certain places that we just can't see. No matter how good or clever you are, these certain spaces or strong or rich or whatever, these certain things you can't see. You need other people. And in this, we've over this time heard that God gives the fivefold. He gives the apostolic. He gives the leadership, elders and deacons, so that all of us can be made one whole body that is completely holy, set apart, sacred, clean, sanctified for that day when Jesus comes. You don't see a bride that on her way to the wedding sits and eats a hamburger and messes all over her dress. No, it's like we were speaking about last night, like uh, people phoning you, um, who was it, the Simon family, speaking about Simon and Yaku's wedding, like family phoning her from the UK, it was in the COVID time and they couldn't come down and um, family phoning her. And she's like, oh, my makeup. She's on her way to her wedding. And that's the thing, because you want to look, you want to be clean. You want to look perfect for that moment. And so even more so for me and for you, there's a place where we need to give ourselves to God and say, God, let me be that lamp that is not covered. So it's accountability. Unless we're open for people to look into us. And it's not to lord over us. It's not to make us feel bad. No, if some people are going to say things that's going to make you feel bad, and that's their heart, you need to understand God will deal with them. But even if they say something that's going to make you feel bad, and that's their heart, they want to press you down, I want to say to you, God is so powerful and He's so big that He's able to even use that to present you as a person in front of Him as holy, as standing in right standing with Him. And so it's actually not your business how they mean it. It doesn't take away the fact that you need to present and give yourself to God holy so that you can be made holy. Let's close our eyes. Adam, if you can maybe just come.